time this morning, we were waiting on the Lord to hear if he had any prophetic words or words of knowledge for the service today. And there was a song, strong sense we were getting that the Lord was breathing on embers, that the Lord was setting us ablaze again, that um, giving us increase. So I want to encourage each and every one of us to keep that in our hearts and, and to ponder on that and to be open to the breath of God breathing afresh in you today. Our reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 15 and Vicky is coming to read that to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, however, you have believed in vain. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. Not yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Our oh, Father, thank you for your word that enriches us, encourages us, enlightens us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and take these words and cause them to bring life, revelation and understanding to us. Would you breathe on us this morning that we would be more like Jesus in his precious, beautiful name. Amen. Amen. In this book of the Bible, Paul is letting us know what the church should be. As we read through the previous chapters of 1 Corinthians, we learn that the church should be godly, spiritual, orderly, and of course there is that great portion in chapter 13 that tells us how to live. Actually, because it's Valentine's Day, I think we should read it. So just flip back a couple of pages or swipe a couple to the left, and let's have a look. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
You know, it's nice to be spoiled on Valentine's Day. It's nice to get flowers, to get chocolates, to take particular care of somebody. But we need to remember we don't just love for one day of the year. We love as Christ loved, as recorded here, for the whole year. And everyone goes, Amen. 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 And for those of us who don't have a valentine, for those of us who didn't get a red rose on our pillow this morning or breakfast in bed, remember we've got the best valentine of the lot. Jesus. Jesus. Oh. So these few verses of chapter 15 that we are focusing on this morning leads into the understanding of the resurrection. And we are going there this morning because Easter Sunday is just around the corner. And so that will be our focus on that day. By the way, there is a combined Good Friday church service down in the um, Civic Centre again this year. And they will be carrying the cross um, from the top of um, Highfield down yeah, um, down to the Civic Centre. So we're still just in the planning stages and so you'll get full details of that service um, when we've got it ready to advertise. I feel that this is a very important message to follow on from my message last week that I shared at camp. I shared how, for those of you who went there, I shared how through a word of knowledge we discovered there was a divisive spirit in this place how some of us had been in battle and had chased it out, and how it was now up to each and every one of us to determine, to make a stand, that we did not give the devil a foothold in our life to allow the enemy to re-establish this divisive spirit into the church. I stress again the words that Vicky brought as a word of knowledge a few weeks earlier, Watch your mouth. You know, we sang this morning, it's your breath in our lungs. How can we take that breath and criticise, tear down, judge, say negative things about another believer? That breath that we have in our lungs is God's gift to us for praising him, for extending his kingdom, not for bringing division. I talked about getting rid of the log in our own eyes and remember I told you how my husband had um, treated me where I criticised people, how he would duck and die because he was dodging the log in my eye. And I encouraged us to get rid of that log in our own eye and leave the Holy Spirit to get rid of the spirit the speck in our brothers and sisters' eyes. Let him scoop it out. I stress also that we are in a battle and that we need to take a strong stand against the devil's plan for life point and focus on and pour our energies instead into God's plan for us, which is our vision, to be a healthy, vibrant church. How? By knowing God and making him known to others. And our mission statement, to be a place where people find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Use that breath, that God-given breath in our lungs to bless people, to love people, to encourage people, to strengthen people. This morning, to add to all of this, we need to follow 
Paul's instructions in these verses and continue to stand for the gospel. The gospel which of course is the good news of Jesus Christ. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and tell them to be encouraged this morning. This is going to be helpful for them.
Um, you haven't applied it. Oh, no, I haven't. It's in the yellow little bit. You see, I didn't receive it. I didn't receive it. I opened the letter, but I didn't receive the blessing, the fullness that was in that letter, and I missed out. As I said, it's a bit of a weak illustration comparing Spark with the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> They should give me some advertising for here this morning. But I think you can understand now what I'm trying to say. There's a big difference. And if we don't receive it, we will miss out. I'm hoping that although that example was really simple, it would help to make it very clear. What some of us who hear the gospel do, we hear it, but we don't receive it in its fullness. We chuck it in the recycle bin. And we still try and live kingdom by the world's and our culture's value system. Please don't let that be you. It is vital that we receive the gospel, that we don't just settle for hearing it, but that we receive it in our spirit, our souls, our hearts and minds fully. The second key word in this verse, the gospel in which you stand. Now please listen carefully. We are in a battle. I talked a lot about that last week. It is obvious to all of us that the days are getting darker and we need to get out of cruise control and take a stand against the wiles of the enemy. Paul is getting near the end of this first letter to the Corinthians, which he has written to confront their sin offer solutions to their problems and to teach the believers how to live for Christ in a corrupt society. The, the um, Corinthian Christians were struggling in their environment. They were surrounded by corruption and every conceivable <laughs> sin and they felt the pressure to adapt. And here at LifePoint, we were being undone by a divisive, critical, negative, ungodly spirit. And we have had to fight that. The Corinthians knew that they were free in Christ, but what did this freedom mean for them? The church, their church was being undermined by immorality and spiritual immaturity, and these were causing their divisions. We had ours. That was causing ours, this was theirs. It is vital for us in this day and age that we live in to get in our, the days we live in, sorry, to get our heads around this because we too live in an immoral, corrupt society. And I know that will not be a surprise to anybody here. So after all that Paul has written before. We read these few words of his. His letter has been full of corrections. He has given them a right chilling off in earlier chapters. But amazingly, he can say these words. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, 
and on which you have taken your stand. Legend. Good on them. And may it be good on us. In spite of all that is going on around them, in spite of all they needed correcting on, they were still standing on the gospel. We cannot, we must not compromise the word of God in any way. There is a strong pull these days away from the true gospel. I don't think it's far off that we will be accused of hate speech when we make a stand. We are already considered to not be PC. We are not inclusive. And that is a big no-no in the world today. It is becoming unacceptable to say there is only one way to God. Constantly you hear um, all religions lead to God when obviously by their own teachings they don't. The Muslims aren't in their um, saying, oh, <laughs> um, saying, oh, yeah, the Christian's way is the same way as ours. They aren't saying that. The Buddhists aren't saying, oh, yeah, the Christian way is our way. And the Hindus are definitely not saying that. It's only the loud voices that are saying, always roads lead to God, and you cannot say yours is the only way. Yes, we can. We cannot alter what the Bible teaches to make it more attractive, more tasteful <laughs> to people. Because if the gospel is not the true gospel, then it isn't the gospel at all. It becomes a fairy story with no power, no life, just nice, warm, fuzzy opinions. We must make a stand for the fullness, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we must do it in love. Truth and love go together throughout the Bible. Love without truth is milksop. Truth without love is harsh and condemning. But truth and love presents the gospel as Jesus lived it. This is so, so important in this age we are living in. We need to look at these scriptures now and get a hold on them because I believe a day is coming when we will have to choose to make a stand or to not. The news has already carried stories of sports heroes who have made a stand and what has happened to them. It is not acceptable now to call people sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. And you get back, who are you to call anyone a sinner? Shouts the loud voices. So some have watered down the gospel to make it more palatable. If it feels good, it's okay. Jesus understands your hurt. He knows that you think this from your hurt place. It's certainly to be acceptable, we must not say that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. We're not here at Life Point Church. We were all sinners in need of grace, and that's the truth, and we will not water it down. We will not water it down. 
The Bible warns us that lawlessness is going to increase and the love for many will grow cold. Love is the power of the kingdom. We move in the love of God, so please watch your love for God, for his word and for people. To make a stand, we must firstly know in our knowers that it is truth. And then we must love this truth and guard it with all our hearts, souls and mind. Let's look again at verse 2. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. You may sincerely believe in a watered-down version of the gospel. But if it isn't the true gospel, then you are believing in vain. That is all just an empty waste of time, and it will not save you. It will not save you. Verses 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. We must stand on this truth, this is the gospel, and never, never water it down to make it more tasteful to today's culture that we live in. Christ died for our sins. Yes, we have sinned and we needed someone to pay the wage for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. That is the gospel. And all of this according to the scriptures, which of course is the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written at the stage. They were still living it. The death and the resurrection of Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. I don't have time to go over these references this morning, but two you might like to check out are Isaiah 53 and Psalm 16. Um, verse 10. I need to draw this to a close, but I can't do that without looking at verses 5 to 8. Uh, let's start at verse 3 again. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers, at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. I think it's important to note the names that are recorded here. He appeared to Cephas, who we know is Peter. Why is Peter mentioned by name? Well, this is my personal opinion. In Matthew 10, um, 32 and 33, let's flick there.
this is Jesus speaking, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Ouch. Ouch. Peter denied Jesus three times. He didn't make a stand. Let's read that in Luke chapter 22. Starting at verse 56. A servant girl, oh, this is after Jesus has been arrested and he is now on trial. A servant girl saw Peter seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. And I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another was seated. Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter wept bitterly. He was genuinely grieved at what he had done and he repented with deep tears. Worldly grief is, oh, sorry, I got caught. Godly grief is the knowledge you have sinned against God and against heaven. And it leads to sincere and deep repentance. I point this out to us this morning because we know from reading on in the Gospels how Jesus reinstated Peter. Jesus repented and he was reinstated and the word spoken over him that the church would be built on this rock that was Cephas came to pass. If you have denied Christ and in your heart you want to get right again, there is hope, all is not lost. Repent sincerely. And determine in your heart to in the future take a stand, then the grace of God will be sufficient for you as it was for Peter. Another one mentioned by Paul is James. Now, this is not James the Apostle who was beheaded, this is James the brother of Jesus. Now, why him? Because we know from Mark chapter 3 21. That Jesus' family came to take charge of him because they said he is out of his mind. James did not believe Jesus was who he was. How powerful must that visitation have been to James when he saw Jesus resurrected for himself? 
wow, can you imagine that? How powerful that was. God loves us. He wants us to know the truth. And he will do what it takes for us to know the truth. If our hearts are open, if our hearts will receive what he wants to say, what he wants to do in our lives, he has so much still to open up for us. I had hoped to get further than this in the passage this morning, but as I was preparing, I just sensed the Lord saying to focus again this week on taking a stand. There is so much more that could be said about this. We are all familiar with Ephesians um, chapter 6. Paul writing again, this time to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul knew firsthand the need to make a stand for the gospel of Christ. Oh my gosh, how many times did he have to make a stand? That is why he wrote so many times to encourage us to be determined to do the same when the need arises. Not just taking a stand when the future gets bleak. Not just taking a stand when we are accused of hate language. Don't wait for those days to hit us. Take a stand now against the wiles of the enemy that he tries to put onto us in a day-to-day -day thing. The things I talked about last week. Make a stand now for truth. My prayer is that we each will arise and shine for our light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon us. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. And I prophesy that scripture from Isaiah 60 verses 1 over us this morning. And may the Lord seal his word in our hearts today. Amen. As we come now to um, communion and... As we take the emblems this morning in remembrance of Christ and all that he has done for us, the bread that represents and reminds us of his body broken for our body, that our bodies may be made whole, the cup reminding us of his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Why don't you ask the Lord to show you if there are any areas in your life where you are believing a watered-down version of the gospel. Our enemy is cunning, and he would love to be able to whisper lies to us and get us off track. It's good to give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal to us any of these areas that we have in our life. So let's do that this morning as we take the emblems with grateful heart for all that Jesus has done for us and determine that we want to live in the fullness of all that has been achieved by his death, his burial and his resurrection.
Jesus, I thank you that you made the gospel so simple that all of us can understand it. You came, you died to save us, and you rose again, all according to the scriptures. Amen. Amen.